We have to go back! Hello everyone and welcome back to the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. I'm Ricky. I'm Grayson. And today we are going to be reviewing the 1998 wrong, take the nine, take it back a year, 1988 movie, uh, Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice. That's our one. Oh, now now we got to go to the third. I think the same person has to say it, though. I don't think you can ping pong back and forth. Oh, really? Yeah, Yeah. you're right. During that scene, they said Beetlejuice like four different times. Yeah, because Alec Baldwin said it, and then Gina Mm -hmm. Davis said it twice, and then she got that plate on her mouth. Yeah. And that would have been three, but it has to be the same person. Interesting. Now, what's the lapse of time? Like, if I, like, like, does it have to be, like, next to each other, or do, like, if I, in January, say Beetlejuice, and then in March? Yeah, like, five minutes, probably. Okay. And then it resets. Or if you leave the room and come back in. Okay. Maybe it's if you just, like, you stop looking at him. Hmm. That makes sense. They really didn't go into the midi chlorians of (laughs) how it works. But how do you sub a Beetlejuice? Let me sit down with you, young Padawan. Every name is tied to a soul. What? (laughs) They're in your blood. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Beetle DNA. Oh, we are off to a fantastic start. Uh, want to uh, give a quick shout out to um, those of you who support us on Patreon. Thank you guys so much for allowing this podcast to be in the place, specifically SoundCloud, um, and also um, in iTunes. Like You guys are helping this podcast be heard by everyone, so thank you so much. Especially uh, shout out to our patron, uh, Cooper, who supplied us with so much research and a lot of great trivia. So, shout out to you, Cooper. Thanks for being awesome. And thanks for also contributing to this podcast being heard all all around the RSS feeds everywhere. Coop, there it is. Coop, there it is. Uh, please tell me that that is the first time anyone has made that connection. Let us be the ones to have done it. Was that your uh, aim address, Cooper? <laughs> That would be so amazing. Yes. Poop, there it is, 92 or whatever. <laughs> oh, man. If if that name isn't taken on every website, I'm about to claim it. <laughs> uh, but yes, so this movie, um, like I said correctly, the first time, and only the first time, uh, this movie came out in 1988, um, but it was in development Um, prior to that. So this is a Tim Burton film and we've actually mentioned this film before because it's another, it's one of the first Tim Burton and Michael Keaton projects that they've worked on together. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So we reviewed Batman. Uh, you can go back and listen to that. The original 1989 Batman. Um, and due to the success of this movie, they actually green lit Batman. So basically, um, Beetlejuice, or with the success of uh, Pee-wee's Big Adventure, which was um, Tim Burton's big 
uh, debut as a director. Burton was considered a quote-unquote bankable director. And so he began working on a script for Batman, but... Warner Brothers was willing to pay for the development of the script, but like we said before, they didn't think that you could adapt Batman at that time. Um, because they were just like, I mean, yes, he's a bankable director, but like, Batman, like, Adam West, like, can you really do that? Um, but in the meantime, Burton was downtrodden uh, by the lack of creativity with the scripts that he was getting across his desk. Uh, he said that they lacked imagination or originality. And then David Geffen handed Burton the script for Beetlejuice, written by McDowell, who also wrote the script for The Jar, an episode of Alfred Hitchcock Presents, directed by Tim Burton. Um, and the movie originally was like a horror movie. Like, much like The Mask, actually. Like, it was originally going to be like, hey, the next horror franchise is going to be Beetlejuice. And uh, Beetlejuice was originally going to be like this weird, like, winged reptilian demon who transformed into a small Middle Eastern man to interact with uh, the Maitlands and the Dietzes. You know, I got a little bit of that from this. You know, you can see... (laughs) Some of the echoes of those initial mm-hmm. concepts, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and it was just, like, all kinds of violent and horrible. Instead of just, like, trying to scare them, he wanted to murder them. And uh, and that was it. And so um, it went through a ton of revisions. And, um, and with Tim Burton actually, like, being s- signed on as uh, the director they made it more of a comedy again, kind of echoing the mask in production. Um, and the original choice for Beetlejuice, um, who uh, in the eighties, who would you, who would you consider for the role of Beetlejuice, Grayson? In the eighties? Yeah. Robin Williams. Oh yeah. Robin Williams would be great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, who, who else? Man, I already named one name. For the <laughs> 80s. You're right. You're right. Uh, oh wait, no, uh, I'll do another one. I'll do another one. Um, with Gina Davis being in the film, I would go with Jeff Goldblum. Ooh, that's good. Uh, I would say Phil Hartman. Oh, yeah, he could do that. Yeah. Um, Burton's first choice, Sammy Davis Jr. So, <laughs> hmm, that's interesting. Yeah. Why didn't they go that direction? Because uh, Geffen... Suggested Michael Keaton, and he, he said, oh, I don't know that guy, but you seem like someone who knows what you're talking about. That's bizarre. And then history was made. And interestingly enough, even though uh, Michael Keaton plays Beetlejuice, the title character, he only spent two weeks filming his part of the film, which lasts for a total of 17.5 minutes of the 92-minute running time movie. So less than a fifth of the running time does Beetlejuice actually appear in the movie. That's what I noticed watching it this time. I was like, he's not in a lot of this. Yeah. Well, which is interesting because we can get into the name a little bit. Um, I was really confused watching it. Be like, they keep saying Beetlejuice. Everything says Beetlegeist on Mm -hmm. it. Um, Like, what is the actual name? And it was originally supposed to be Beetlegeist, named after the ninth brightest star in the night sky. Um, 
Really? But, yeah, like that was the the origins of it and the thoughts behind it. But uh, Tim Burton suggested changing it to Beetlejuice just because it sounded funnier and <laughs> and it was easier to spell. Um, so like if you're searching for it, things like that. I mean, in '88 they weren't thinking of Google searches, but like just but you know, remembering we, it. <laughs> how can we future proof this title? Hey, make it Beetlejuice. It's cleaner. <laughs> Uh, the Beetlejuice, but yeah, they they changed it to Beetlejuice uh, for that reason. But the studio didn't like the title; they wanted to call it House Ghosts. So that makes more sense. With like, okay, it really is focusing on Gina Davis and Alec Baldwin more than yeah. Beetlejuice, and uh, just like as a as a joke, Tim Burton suggested, well, why don't we call it Scared Sheetless because uh, <laughs> they wear those those sheets at one point, and the and the studio was like, yes, why don't we? And he was like, guys, <laughs> I was joking. Uh, oh, yes. And so uh, that's why you get the cross between, like, well, he's Beetlegeist and some of them. So the character's name is Beetlegeist, but he's also, you know, referred to as Beetlejuice. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. My, uh, like, growing up, I just thought that they just never confirmed, like, during production, like, oh, no. It, We've made all these props that say Beetle Guys. You said Beetle Guys, like ah, uh, it's Beetle Beetlejuice. Like I just thought it was a thing yeah. that they just went with. Well, they decided to to change the name of the film like way after, right? Um, but in the credits, he's still accredited as Beetle Guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the poster, <laughs> it says Michael Keaton is Beetlejuice. So I don't know what to believe. Yeah. Speaking of not knowing what to believe, um, Tim Burton <laughs> claims he wanted to make the look of the uh, effects. He wanted them to look cheap and purposely fake looking um, because he want, he said he wanted to make it in the style similar to B movies that he grew up with as a child, which I think is a bit of a Tommy Wiseau kind of thing. Like, oh, no, I meant I meant to do this. I meant to make it like that. I'm not calling him a liar. But I'm also not calling him a truther. But um, the movie um, had a budget of 15 million, um, with just one million given to visual effects work. Um, and a lot of the visual effects, as you probably saw if you rewatched the movie, included a ton of stop motion, uh, replacement animation, prosthetic makeup, and puppetry and blue screen. And um, and with his vision and magic and the timing of 1988, the movie made 4.9 times the budget, bringing in 73.7 million. Not too bad. Not too bad at all. Oh, man. I, I wish I could be a part of a project and show up for two weeks. Um, and make up only 17 minutes of the film and bring in $73.7 million. Yeah. He's doing it right. Doing it right. Another interesting thing about the movie is that the Beetlejuice yells, nice effing model mm-hmm. in the movie. The movie's a PG film. Oh, um, 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 um. So it's one of the, if, so that, so it is only one of four films to be rated PG 
despite having the F word in them after the creation of PG-13. Because like we talked about with um, Jaws, like PG-13 didn't exist for a while. Yeah. So um, before PG-13 was invented, some swearing was allowed in a PG movie before it became an R. But after PG-13 was invented, even one F-bomb was usually too much to be PG. So Beetlejuice was released four years after the creation of PG-13 rating. And still it, it slipped by. Yep. Yeah. So only... Three other movies have made that, um, and I'm assuming all of them star Michael Keaton. (laughs) Yeah, so um, that is a lot of the production history of the movie. Um, I think one more fun fact I'll share before we go on into some of our recallings of Beetlejuice uh, from growing up is that um, Alyssa Milano was almost considered for the role of Lydia. Hmm. I don't know what to do with that. Neither do I. I have a better one. Make some mighty good cookie, though. (laughs) Um, So another interesting thing that I think is a pattern for the last few movies that we've reviewed is that they have all spun off animated series. So that's very true. So there was also a Beetlejuice animated series, which if you watch this movie, you're like, you got that from that. Oh, yeah. I loved the animated series. The animated series was so great. It. I didn't know it until I was older, but it taught me my very first incantation. Uh, <laughs> Lydia, With most people, it's Harry Potter. Right. With you, it was Beetlejuice. It was Beetlejuice. I still remember to this day, even though I should be wary, still I venture someplace scary. Ghostly hauntings, I turn loose. Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. It's showtime. Yeah, I love that show. It, and it was basically, imagine... Aladdin, but with the underworld and done. That's Beetlejuice. Like he was, and like Beetlejuice was this lovable scamp who was like a con artist, but Lydia was his only like real friend. And, um, and they just like went on like mischievous adventures together. And it was, uh, it was a wildly successful, um, show. It was one of the few shows that actually aired, both on two separate networks. Um, it aired on Fox on their weekday lineup and aired on ABC on their Saturday morning lineup. Oh, look at people getting along. Look at that. And another tie to another movie that we reviewed, inspired solely by the anime series, Harvey Comics published a short-lived Beetlejuice comic book. And Harvey Comics is the publisher for casper i like their kid line called um harvey comics jr yeah just um really great piano solos (laughs) 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 oh you did it you were too clever for me i was like oh yeah i remember Uh, 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 uh." i got (laughs) you you did it (laughs) oh man um and so there it goes those are some uh fun facts and um for all you uh movie math uh enthusiast beetlejuice or beetlegeist beetlejuice's name is spoken exactly 15 times in the film eight from barbara two from juno and five from lydia and now you know <laughs> all right but now let's get in to 
some nostalgia. Grayson, this movie, growing up, what was that like for you? Because I know you watch the cartoon show more than the movie. Yeah, just because there are like a hundred episodes of the cartoon show. <laughs> right. I watched the movie a lot, too. Anything Burton, I watched over and over again as a kid. Really? Starting starting with Edward Scissorhands. And then I was like, what else has this man created? And I was like, Pee-wee, Beetlejuice, anything that's claymation. Uh, and... Yeah, so I was a huge Tim Burton fan, and this was definitely right there at the center of it. Wow. Um, and, uh, I mean, at the time, I basically only paid attention to, like, Beetlejuice and Lydia because those are the prominent characters in the animated series, too. Mm-hmm. And now it was cool to rewatch it and see, like, oh, it's Alec Baldwin and Gina Davis <laughs> and, like, Catherine O'Hara and uh, Rooney. So it totally changed the way that you see it, realizing, oh, there are some huge names in this. Oh, yeah. Um, And you don't think of it that way. Mm -mm. Yeah. When I watched this movie um, recently with my wife and when Alec Baldwin took off his glasses, like shortly after they realized that they're dead, she said, wait, that's Alec Baldwin? I was like, oh my gosh, he supermaned you? He Clark Kented you? Like, <laughs> he just took off his glasses. like, Alec Baldwin? <laughs> like, yeah. we were like a solid 10 minutes into this movie. Uh, even after it said the titles, Alec Baldwin, he's like, oh, I guess he's in the movie. And then <laughs> he took off his glasses. He's like, oh my goodness. Well, it's tough if you just look at the poster, though, because you can tell it's Gina Davis, and you know Beetlejuice is a very iconic look. But you look at Alec Baldwin on the poster, and he looks like Jerry O'Connell, and you're, you're like, <laughs> "What's Jerry O'Connell doing in 1988?" Uh, I didn't know. I didn't know Dan Aykroyd was in this picture. <laughs> uh, oh man! So a random memory that I'm so glad that the internet has uh, captured um, was. This poster I saw at Chuck E. Cheese, which was whoever the Beagle character was in the Chuck E. Cheese band, they had this poster called Beagle Juice, which had him like recreating the pose of the Beagle Juice cover, but with him being a Beagle. And I think that's the first pun I've ever visually seen. Um, it's like one of the earliest memories of just like on the wall at Chuck E. Cheese, like right before you went into the hallway to go to the bathroom, uh, it was a little Beetlejuice pun. I'm like, oh, oh, I get it. Cause it's like Beetlejuice, but he's a beagle. Cause that's the kind of dog I'm learning so many things as a kid at this Chuck E. Cheese. Huh. I went to Discovery Zone. <laughs> DZ Discovery Zone. No longer open. Because it was too extreme. Yeah, because I partied too hard at it. <laughs> they had to shut the whole franchise down. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's one of my earliest memories of Beetlejuice. I, I, This happened before in the podcast, and I don't know how it keeps happening, but I have not seen the beginning of this movie. Like, oh, when they I, die? <laughs> no. The only thing I distinctly remember is them, um, I would say, up until they actually move into the house. I think after mm-hmm. they remodeling the house is, like, that point forward that I've definitely seen the movie. Yeah. Um, but, like, Gina Davis, like, pulling off her face, 
I never saw that scene. Like I was taken yeah. aback by that. I'm like, what's happening? That's really <laughs> scary. Um, or them dying, their whole setup of like, oh, let's go into town. And the fact that other people are just moving into the house. Like I, th- so many of those things I just completely missed. I'm like, oh, oh, so yeah, I missed this entire setup. Um, I just thought it was basically Casper and how they're like, oh, people are living in our house. We don't want that. Let's try to scare them away. We've always been dead. <laughs> right. Uh, one thing I picked up on this time that I hadn't noticed before is I always thought it was weird that when he goes to town to buy the, the whatever it is that he like puts the money in the cash register. And I always thought it was because the old guy like just wanted to sit and tell stories and that right. it was his shop. It's not his shop. He's the barber next door. That's Alec Baldwin's store. Yeah. Because it's Maitland's. And this was the first time I was like, oh, I can read now. (laughs) And I understand what that's supposed to signify. Yeah. The other thing I got this time around was just how... uh, Because I want to say I saw the cartoon first and then watched the movie. Um, Mm. And I was like, oh, no, Beetlejuice is like a bad guy. Like... He, he's trying to, like, murder these people. Yeah, he's the villain. Yeah. Aside from the interior decorators. Hey, uh. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, no, I get what you're saying now. I thought it was a burn. I was just like, aside yeah, from these bit. interior decorators. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, but, yeah, just like, oh, no, Beetlejuice isn't, like, a good guy. Like, I thought he was a fun, friendly guy. Like, Wait, why is he trying to marry Lydia? I thought they were just friends. Like, I was just confused by it. Um, but I thought that their storyline, um, the Maitland storyline, was something that I didn't really pick up on, like, at all as a kid. Because as a kid, I just saw that they were, they were like, I was confused as to why these strangers who I'd never seen before are, like, friends with Lydia and Beetlejuice isn't. I was like, wait, why is Beetlejuice the bad guy? I thought that he was supposed to be their friend. And now it all makes sense because I put the cart before the horse in my childhood logic. <laughs> the other thing that I thought was super interesting is like how they, like Beetlejuice's last costume, it's just like that pinstripe thing. Right. The pinstripe suit. That's what it's called. Well, technically, his last one is his wedding suit, the uh, crushed velvet. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Crimson. He just like makes an appearance as that once but mm-hmm. that stuck so much in everything else like it was the one that they went with on the cover yeah it's um, on the poster well it's also what he's wearing when he does his uh his catchphrase of it's showtime yeah so i think that helps too just like with the mask i mean i guess the mask was always wearing the yellow no he wore the yellow only the second time he put oh, really? the mask yeah okay. it's, well it, but it's during that scene where he's dancing with uh Cameron Diaz. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, it's like whatever that moment is that really like hooks the audience into that character. Yeah, that's typically how you see them dressed, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I just thought that was interesting. I was like, oh wait, he doesn't wear that thing throughout the entire movie. Yeah, it's also what he wore almost exclusively in the animated series. Oh yeah, the only difference is that he had like a maroonish. Um, button-up shirt. Because hmm. I watch that show 
enough to notice the colors, the color palettes. Yeah, I um, used to watch that um, back to back to the Adams Family animated show. Yeah, yeah. So between the two of them, I had a really healthy relationship with death. <laughs> That's the other thing. Like the, I think the movie, even though it wasn't a part of the original script, uh, they did such a cool thing with like the bureaucracy of the afterlife. Oh, <laughs> um, just like, ah, oh, you got to fill out this paper. You had to fill out this paperwork. Did you read the manual? Like all these other things. I just like, that is funny. That was one thing I appreciated with Otho. It is like, if you kill yourself, you become a civil servant in the afterlife. And mm-hmm. it's like, he's right. Like, that's weird. Uh, because the you see that with the receptionist where she's yep. like, if I had known now what I knew then. Oh, I said it backwards. No, oh, yeah, you got right. No, if I had known. No. If I knew now, I knew no, then. No, if I knew then what I know now. Oh, yeah. Because you already I, know now what you knew then. Right. I just want to know when you knew what. <laughs> if I knew then what I knew now. Yeah. If I knew then what I know now, I wouldn't have had my little accident. And you're like, ooh, that's dark. But then it's yeah. actually a setup that's paid off later. Oh, yeah. Well, it's the same with, um, in theory, um, the Maitland's uh, caseworker. Um, mm, mm-hmm. Because we, all we know is that her throat is slit just with the smoke that's passing through it. Right. But we don't know if it was her own doing or someone else's. But like a lot of those people seem to have been self-inflicted. Um, what a dark world that he created. But it was so intricate that I feel like I believed it. Like, I felt like there was nothing that was just thrown away. And you're able to tell kind of what each person went through. Mm -hmm. I would be interested to hear why they didn't make the Maitlands have more signs of how they passed. I I mean, it could be that, like, drowning is said to be one of the most peaceful ways of passing. Mm. um, So that they, they didn't really have any signs. But I feel like if they had just been characters in the background of one of the waiting room scenes, they would have been like soaking wet and kind of bloated and things like that. Right. Um, but instead they just, they're fine. Although they are soaking wet when they walk back into the house for the first time. Yeah. Well, so one of maybe the, that's it. That water just dries. <laughs> yeah. One of the things that was in the original script was that their death is more graphically shown and Barbara's like arm breaks and like they show it. Like, very graphically, but, like, in every rewrite, something referring to her arm is referenced. So when she's like, hey, how is your arm? She's like, "Uh, it's freezing cold. Mm. Because it, like, broke in in the original uh, draft of it. Interesting. um, Yeah. But I I think that what you're saying is true. And I also think that was a choice so that we could be grounded with them. um, And so that we could see... Like this very like, oh, wow, like how are these people adjusting to the afterlife instead of these kind of more um, larger than life characters? Mm -hmm. There is a barrier between the audience and Beetlejuice Mm -hmm. with his appearance alone. Um, But to have Alec Baldwin and Gina Davis look pretty much exactly like they did when they were alive. Mm hmm. Um, I think it also accentuates whenever they do change their appearance, like when they become right. like the long nose or the, the wide jaw characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a little more startling. Right. All right. Uh, Grayson, I'm 
I didn't want to have to do this, but I just feel like it's the only way for us to go into our next segment. Oh no, what are you doing? The only way for us to go into our next segment is to say it three times. <laughs> okay. Head cannon. Head cannon. Head cannon. There's no way that lines up. Oh yeah, but head cannon. <laughs> We're here. It's showtime. Beep beep beep. Show. <laughs> oh great. Sorry, I'm pulling up my script. I think I, I should ha- I should be off book with this by now. Let me try it. Now we go into headcanon, the part of the show where we propose our unique views on the film uh using clues and you're right, that's really hard. Right? <laughs> uh <laughs> Headcanon, the part of the show where we share our unique ideas about the movie and untold stories based on evidence provided by the movie. Uh, so, Grayson, here's the thing. I was watching this movie and just working overtime to try to connect this to Casper. Um, there are a lot of similarities, there yes. There are a ton of similarities. Um, but the thing I actually found that works better is connecting it to another franchise that deals with the afterlife and real estate. The Sixth Sense. Oh, yeah, that too. (laughs) No, what's the afterlife and real estate? Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh. I feel like Beetlejuice and Freddy Krueger would at the very least be poker buddies. Um, Both... Um, in the game, and also uh, in the way they like to murder. Um, Very well said. Thanks. <laughs> um, but like, yeah, just knowing that in the afterlife there are these different characters whose, uh, or these different people whose um, personalities manifest in certain ways. Um, because I, the other thing I completely didn't re- realize in the movie as a kid was how um, the caseworker was like, well, I had, I had someone, I had an assistant who mm-hmm. was like talking about like getting rid of people. And he's like a con man. I'm like, Oh wait. So like how they were, would they live like affected how they were in the afterlife? I was like, that's super interesting. That's just like how it was with Freddy Krueger. Um, because he, the way like he's able to go into these people's dreams like that was where he had power. Same with Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice could only be manifested in these certain areas, but so long as he was conjured, could he interact with the real world uh, more so? Hmm. And so I thought that was a pretty convincing headcanon. Um, way less work than what I had to try to figure out for Casper. <laughs> um, my headcanon is that Beetlejuice was actually a meth addict. We establish that if you kill yourself, you have to basically work for the afterlife. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you just mentioned, he was the assistant to the caseworker. Um, huh. So that implies that he somehow killed himself. Um, and based on his appearance, both with the thinning hair, like the, the really, really stringy hair and the terrible teeth um, and the sunken eyes, like the overly sunken eyes, um, those are all symptoms, basically, that could be attributed to 
extreme meth use. Um, so it's possible that he killed himself with some kind of overdose, whether it was meth or other drugs, I don't know, but um, that he was basically a junkie that OD'd. And um, yeah, that's how he that's how he died. Because then they never established like how he actually died. You just take it as it is. And he has no visible wounds that would indicate how he died, um, unlike almost everybody else in the afterlife. Yeah. Um, so it's a little dark, but that's my that's my headcanon for the origins of Beetlejuice. Interesting. Based off the evidence provided by the movie, a la our headcanon uh, description, um, he does have a moment where he mentions that he lived through the Black Plague. Now, I don't know if that is just like a Joker-esque like, uh, origin story that he's just kind of making up. Uh, but I mean, he, I don't know. Like he he says a lot of things that you might not really believe now, because it's also in the same sentence where he says, uh, "Well, I attended Juilliard. I'm a graduate of Harvard Business School. I traveled extensively. I lived through the Black Plague. Uh, I've seen The Exorcist about 167 times, and it keeps getting funnier every single time I see it." So I would say the Black Plague is actually a uh, type of heroin that Ooh. he. Would ingest. Look, no, that is solid. Kind of like uh, the uh, the blue steel, um, and um, Mister um, Badbreaking, Mister Badbreaker, yes. yeah, like the blue steel and Mister Badbreaking, yeah, yeah, very good. Yeah, but it's like uh, that was his drug of choice was the Black Plague. Yeah. So, yeah, you poke some holes in my headcanon, and I had to justify it. <laughs> no, that's way better. <laughs> I mean, he, he um, I can't remember where this is, um, but I want to say that there was a scene um, that went into um, Beetlejuice's origin, in hmm. that um, he uh, hung himself drunkenly oh. um, after a woman that he was in relations with but that they ultimately just cut it for time that's that's my understanding of it yeah that would make sense it also would make sense that it's relationship driven because of how he reacts um even seemingly mockingly during the wedding scene but he's like i always told myself it would just be the one time and Mm. uh like he does he does mention some kind of romantic tie yeah look at that and you said Joker-esque. I actually was thinking that when, when I was watching it, I was like, you know what? <laughs> if he didn't play Batman, he would have been a great Joker. Right? I, th- I think they're just like, all right, so listen, we uh, what about the, we wanted someone to play Batman. Um, we were thinking about some actors like, oh, uh, how about this guy? Um, the guy who played Joker? No, thank you. <laughs> it's like, all right, let's get Batman have him do the characteristics of the Joker, put him in a suit kind of like the Riddler's, but with the color palette of the Penguin. Uh, Listen, I guess we just trust you, Mr. Hollywood. You should. That's what I pay you for. And give uh, the side of his neck the old Two-Face treatment. (laughs) Oh, yes. Okay, I have this question. Who... Was the guy the designer? Oh, Otho. Who was Otho? 
like what do you mean like in relationship to the whole family was he just like a designer that they trust or a friend that a family friend because i watched the movie and then i went back and watched just those scenes i'm like who is he because they say <laughs> oh my clients usually um never or like my clients don't usually read my mind but you read my mind i'm like what kind of client relationship is this like who who are what are what I think they're good friends, but he's also been hired to redo this house. So it was like the kind of situation to where Catherine O'Hara was like, Otho, I'm moving to this horrible house. Please be a friend and redo it for me. Mm. I'll hire you. Um, Because he's like walking around in a kimono or something like that at one Mm. point. It's like the morning. So it seems like he stayed overnight. Like whatever it is, like I, I think he was just like a family friend. Um, most likely a friend of Delia before she got married to Rooney. Yeah. I'm just going to call him Rooney. <laughs> yeah, that's who he yeah. is. <laughs> yeah, I was super impressed to see him and Kevin's mom in the same movie. Yeah. And I kept on trying to find headcanon for that as well. <laughs> it didn't line up. The only thing just being that, like, oh, yeah, Rooney has a has a brother a non-mustachioed brother that's how you can tell them apart they're twins um and he wants to get away from the city because he has to live close to his brother who's always complaining about this guy named ferris he's like yeah listen if you want to visit me i'm gonna move out here to the middle of no houses i just realized something this is how it connects to casper houses on the edge of properties Casper is on that cliff. There is a real estate agent who is just selling creepy houses. <laughs> Headcan. All right, now we're going to go into the part of the show where we like to recast and remake properties and titles uh, appropriately called uh, Recast and Remake. Recast and remake. It's showtime. For those of you who don't know, uh, there has been a Beetlejuice sequel, um, ironically, uh, stuck in uh, development hell uh, because ever (laughs) since the movie has been um, wildly successful um, in the 80s, they've been talking about a sequel. (laughs) That sequel called... Beetlejuice Goes Hawaiian. So a script was commissioned and Michael Keaton and Winona Ryder both signed on to reprise their respective roles. And um, But Tim Burton lost his interest um, in the project um, after directing Batman and Batman Returns three years later. Um, so up until 96, um, Warner Brothers was still trying to produce the film. Um, but then 19 years later... Uh, the Ghost Hawaiian script was abandoned, and a sequel was announced that Michael Keaton and Winona Ryder would be returning to reprise their roles. But just the Ghost Hawaiian concept is something I would absolutely love to see. I don't even know what that means. Yeah, what does that mean? I, is it like like going Donald Duck when you just don't wear any pants? Like, is oh, it? Oh, I sure hope not. <laughs> like, is it uh, like going Dutch? Where you, where you split the check or something like that. Like, like what, what does Go Hawaiian mean? Um, but 
after the uh, Ghostwire concept was abandoned, um, there were still talks that, you know, there was going to be a Beetlejuice sequel. And there's still a holding page on IMDb for Beetlejuice 2. And um, even then, even Al Baldwin said that he had signed on to uh, reprise his role. But as of 2016, there seems to be like no sign that uh, there will be an actual Beetlejuice sequel. Yeah, they said they've been working on the script since 2012. Yeah. So. <sighs> yeah, that's that's crazy. Like it's it's tough for a movie like this that is such a solid standalone film. Mm-hmm. Like part of me wants it to be a sequel. Um, but part of me also wants it to stay where it was and be a classic where you can re-see it. Um, however, this isn't called keep it the same. <laughs> Let's <laughs> a segment we like to call keep it the same. <laughs> Just keep it the same. All right. Next segment. Um, <laughs> if they were to do a sequel, I would be interested in almost seeing a slightly darker version of it. Um, it would still be a dark comedy, but I feel like a modern day dark comedy still would be a little more in the vein of horror, I guess almost cabin in the woods type, uh, dark comedy. Um, but I would want it to be called Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice's Beetle, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice's <laughs> Sorry, I can't even come out with it. Beetlejuice's Revenge. I, mean, I was trying to figure out, like, what's... How do I how do I put a possessive plural on this? Beetle's Juice. Beetle's Juice. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, Beetlejuice's Revenge or Beetlejuice Returns or Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. Or No More Mr. Geist Guy. Uh, <laughs> that would definitely be the tag. Um yeah. And basically the premise would be like Beetlejuice traps them into um, the miniature. And it's basically, mm-hmm. <laughs> gosh, it is, uh, it's Revenge of the Sith meets Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Uh, and if that doesn't sell itself, um, I don't know what does. Hey, I'm on board. Shrink some ghosts. <laughs> Rick Moranis has dealt with both of them. <laughs> That's the only... If I can get Rick Moranis to come out of retirement to make the cameo of a lifetime, it would be this. It's like, oh, we need an expert in shrieking ghosts. I know a guy. So Beetlejuice hires... <laughs> A scientist to enlarge his head after that tribesperson shrunk it yeah. at the end of the movie, mm-hmm. and he thought, "Wait a minute, I can use this," and he he gets Rick Moranis to shrink the ghosts. And then afterwards, when he's done with him, he feeds him to a giant plant. <laughs> oh man, I am too proud of myself for making that comment. Uh, <laughs> I would, I would love that. Uh, that would be so, so good. Um, I think also Michael Keaton is such a strong Beetlejuice, but if it were to be made today, oh, gosh, Bill Hader, man. Bill Hader or Fred Armisen. 
<laughs> I would love either of them to play Beetlejuice. So I was debating on this recast. Um, for for Alec Baldwin, I would have John Hamm. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and for Gina Davis, I would like to see um, maybe Amy Poehler, maybe uh, Sarah Paulson. I think could be fun because she can do comedy really well as well. Um, and then uh, for Lydia, I'd like to see Aubrey Plaza. Oh, of course. Um, but then I really debated about Beetlejuice and I think I'd like to see Jake Johnson from new girl. Oh my gosh. (laughs) He would be an amazing Beetlejuice. Yeah. I think that would be just, he's got it. Jake Johnson would be fantastic. You know, oh man. Now you, oh, yep. That's perfect. He would be an amazing Beetlejuice. But I want... Oh, man. I would love his... His role of Nick like being like this. <laughs> Listen, I mean... Yeah, I'm going to haunt ghosts, but... I don't like you pressuring me into it. <laughs> or, you know who else would be great? We don't see him in enough stuff. But Weird Al. As Beetlejuice? As Beetlejuice. Would he have an accordion? Um... Does Weird Al make parodies? Yeah, he's going to have an accordion. I like how you answered my Weird Al question <laughs> with another Weird Al statement. Um, Was Weird Al's debut album Weird Al? Yeah, he's going to have an accordion. He had a self-titled first album? He did. Uh, did Weird Al make a Devo-inspired original song called Dare to be Stupid? Uh, yeah, he'd have an accordion. I, I stand informed. <laughs> I would choose Weird Al mainly because I love his voice and how character, um, charactery he can make his face. Like, he can make his face so rubbery. Um, and he's a contortionist. Um, Mm. so I just know that they would have a lot of fun with his talent. Um, oh, well, duh. Another, uh, casting would be, of course, Jim Carrey. Right. Yeah. 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 And I, man, cause like, I feel like he's kind of already played Beetlejuice in the sense of playing the Grinch. (laughs) Oh yeah. A little bit. Um, and then my last name that I would throw out there for Beetlejuice would be, uh, Seth MacFarlane. <laughs> you know he can do the voice because he can do any voice, and he's a trained dancer, so he can do the physicality. Oh wow, that's that, so. When you said Seth MacFarlane, um, I saw Seth Rogen. Um, oh yeah, well he's definitely got the voice. And uh, I was just like, oh yeah, he just like shows up like what? <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, I'm gonna haunt your house. <laughs> Um, but no, Seth MacFarlane would be amazing. Uh, that would be great to see him in a role like that. That would be a ton of fun. I think one of the things that makes this movie a classic is it's what we saw in the mask in Casper was that whenever they did those kind of runs with the main character where they're being very cartoony, it relied heavily on, uh, pop culture references to a certain degree. Mm. Whereas with this, there really wasn't a lot of that. It still played just as relevant in 2016 as it did in 88. Yeah. Uh, um, which is 
kudos to the writing to have that kind of longevity. Um, it's more jokes of like, hey, we shop at the same store. Like that's something that <laughs> will continue to play. Yeah. Um, so I just I thought that that one scene where they're all together there in the the model, it's just like, wow, that's really well done. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. They, that's how you make a um, a somewhat quirky, off kiltered character um, timeless. It's not relying heavily on the references but on his attitude and reference to people and uh, conventions that other people are familiar with. Like like him saying, like, I'm the world, I'm the world leading a bio exorcist. Like he, he made like a, like a used car salesman type commercial. Hey, listen, uh, you get a free possession with every exorcism. You can't beat that deal. You can't beat it. You can't beat it. Yeah. Really? The only reference he makes is the exorcist. Yeah. Um, yeah, <laughs> and it's not something that you have to have seen to understand, right? Yeah, because like that wasn't like a new reference. Like the Exorcist had been out, um, right. and it was a reference to him in the Exorcist. He's not like, uh, "Hey, look at me! I'm making an Exorcist reference." It's like, "No, I've seen the Exorcist uh, about 167 times, and it keeps getting funnier every time <laughs> I see it." I just like love his intensity for that. <laughs> uh so good um but yeah now let's go ahead and roll into because we were already kind of doing it uh rolling into our final segment reasons to recommend uh grayson why would you recommend beetle guys so even though michael keaton is in a very small percentage of the film Mm -hmm. it's a very memorable performance and um, the type of performance that you really only see in characters like heath ledger's joker like jim carrey in the mask um, those kinds of um, I don't know, performances captured in a cartoon sense for Jim Carrey's side, but also a deep, dark intensity from like the Heath Ledger side um, as the Joker. I feel like this really blends those two uh, approaches into one cohesive performance. That's really interesting to um, to watch because he did that before either of those other two did their performances. So. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's great to see this initial partnership with Michael Keaton and Tim Burton. Um, I think they work really well together. I wish they had done more stuff together. Hmm. Fun game to play. Just recast Johnny Depp with Michael Keaton in any of your favorite (laughs) Tim Burton films and think about how it would have been different. Um, but I think it's a great partnership and it's a lot of fun to, to see. That's fantastic. Yeah, I would. Yeah, I would say that I would recommend this movie um, because it is. It's for a lot of the same reasons I would recommend Casper. It's such a fun and different look, a non-conventional look into this um, this convention in movies that we're so used to seeing. Um, mm-hmm. I love the bureaucracy of the afterlife and how it's just like oh, it's more of the same. Uh, one of the things that I thought was so funny is how like. Um, the scene right before the Dietzes move in is that they're sleeping. I'm just like, oh man, they said I'll sleep enough when I'm dead, and here, they, here they go, and they're sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> what else? What else? Um, but like, I, I just like how they 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 kind of create these different rules, similar to how Casper did that, and they have so much fun. Like they world build like no one's business. 
mm-hmm. um, they like say, oh, no, what you need to do? Like, did you read your manual? Uh, of course you didn't. Uh, hey, here's the thing. You only get this certain kind of um, phone in for help, like every hundred years or whatever. Like, it's just fun to like see the complexities of the afterlife. Um, yeah. And uh, it's also so much fun to see kind of like what we talked about before, but like the character of Beetlejuice, like it's such a unique thing. Cause I, I feel like the eighties and you see this a lot with er, movies from the past, they took a ton of risk on these projects that like would not fly today. You like, if you're going to have a movie where the movie is named after the title character and the title character is in it for 15 minutes, that's not gonna fly um unless you are um you know michael bay with the transformers and ninja turtles movie burn i did it i did it Um, or silence of the lambs i didn't see a single (laughs) lamb and if i did they were really loud (laughs) tell that lamb to be quiet (laughs) can't they see if they try to solve a mystery um but yes uh it's it's a it's a great movie um it's fun it's super unique and dark and weird and if any of those things are on your list of check boxes for movies that you're looking for uh beetlejuice is the one and you'll definitely pick up on a lot of things especially if you didn't see the first 15 minutes of the movie when you were a kid (laughs) you'll see so much more uh, and watch it also so uh, to see if Alec Baldwin, Clark Kent, any of your friends who haven't seen it, are like, wait a second, is that Alec Baldwin? Is that Jack Donaghy from 30 Rock? What happened? Yeah. Either way, I am convinced that we need to watch more Gina Davis movies. Uh, absolutely. Funnily enough, Gina Davis made a, a fairly consistent appearance in the 2016 TV series, The Exorcist. So. Uh- <laughs> There you go. Uh, nice. She also made pretty consistent appearances in the 2000 to 2001 show, The Gina Davis Show. <laughs> Who does she play? Teddy Cochran. <laughs> and that is our review of Beetlejuice. Let us know what you remember about Beetlejuice on Instagram and Twitter. We are at Flashback Flicks. And let us know what you thought of this review that you're listening to right now on iTunes. Uh, leave us a review uh, telling us on a scale of one to three Beetlejuices. Um, or Beetlejuice? Yeah. And also let us know how do you prefer to spell Beetlejuice? And don't feel like you're limited to the phonetic spelling of Beetlejuice or even Beetlegeist. Just make up your own. We want to see how you spell Beetlejuice. Yeah, just go, just without spell check, just make a first pass at spelling Beetlejuice. Even if you just fall asleep and your head hits the keyboard, <laughs> that's good enough for us. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, great. And be sure to tune in next time right here on the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. Until next time, remember to be kind and rewind. Rewind.